Welcome back to Deconstructing Damsels. This episode is all about romance and the holiday season. In fact, the entire month of December is going to be all about that. Because if you have a Halloween month, you need to have a holidays month. It's only fair and balanced, right? Okay, so this month we're going to talk about a bunch of different kinds of romances. I'm thinking we've got one shifter, a couple contemporary, and a guest star with my fiance Sven's back and I made him read a holiday romance which turns into more about porn without plot again I don't know how he keeps ending up with those but alas and alack he does we're also going to add another element to the podcast every episode I'm going to have a featured podcast and I'm also going to have a podcast promo and I'm doing this because sometimes the ones that I talk about do not necessarily match with what's going on in the purpose of this podcast. So I want to kind of match them together and find things that kind of work because I really like the podcast and I want to promote them. Really kind of that simple. I'm a simple, simple human being sometimes, especially after handling a 40 hour work week in retail. And that's why this episode is a little bit late, but it should be coming out in the next couple of days. So maybe Thursday? Let's hope. Because Finn will be the one that's editing again. He's edited the last couple. So if you like them, give a shout out to Creature underscore SH. Also, dude's going to be reading more romance. So are we ready, guys? Yeah? Let's go. What kind of underwear was Queen Elizabeth I having to deal with when she dominated that English throne? What did women in ancient Egypt use for contraception? Was the 19th century hoop skirt used to suppress women, or did it actually liberate them? Welcome to the Explores, where we time travel back through women's history to discover what it was really like to be them. Join me as we walk through past eras, exploring their worlds so we can appreciate their stories. Ready to meet a whole host of fascinating women? Just look for the Explores wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go traveling. Today, we're going to be talking about All He Wants for Christmas by Lizzie Shane. It was written in 2017 and it was an Amazon freebie. Here is the summary given by the publisher. Heartthrob Ty Walker always gets what he wants. So when he announces on a press tour that he's ready to give up his playboy ways and start a family, he's confident the universe will provide him with the fairy tale future he's envisioned. And completely unprepared to come home a week before Christmas to find an 11 year old girl sitting on his doorstep with a note claiming she's his daughter. Ty has never been on close terms with responsibility. Even his oh so capable assistant can't wave her magic wand and fix this one for him. Not when she's about to fly home for the holidays for a family wedding. Taking her movie star boss and his potential daughter home for Christmas isn't on any of Andy Cooper's carefully crafted agendas. She knows Ty is nothing more than an overgrown child who uses his heart-melting smile to get away with murder, and she's immune to that smile until she sees it on the face of a vulnerable little girl. Clement, Minnesota, here they come. But when they arrive in her small town, Anne begins to see a different side of her boss. Could there be more to the playboy than she thought? Could he actually become a good father? And could a movie star really be interested in his glamorless assistant? Could they actually become the family he was wishing for all along? 
Andy's been working for Ty for three years. First, the movie studio or TV studio wanted her to be his social media manager, but it turns out he was kind of competent at that, unfortunately, for her. So he kind of took that away. Here is how she's described his personal assistant. But while Ty wanted to run his own web presence, he still desperately needed her to run his life. Her job title had changed. She had stopped working for the network and started working directly for him and gotten a 35% raise in the process. Win-win. Ty is actually pretty giving with his money, so I'm not really surprised he upped that ante a little bit, and especially considering the dude can't really do a lot for himself all the time. And the story picks up when his daughter Jade appears on his doorstep with a note that calls her a burden by her uncle and just kind of drops her off and leaves her there. And so while they're trying to figure out what's going on, they go to Clement, Minnesota, Andy's hometown, and they kind of figure out what's going on. It was pretty interesting that way. <laughs> I would describe it more like a Hallmark movie, if that gives you an idea of kind of how feel good some of the things are. Andy Cooper is probably in her 30s, I would say, because she's been divorced for a couple years. Her first husband and she were high school sweethearts, so yeah, I'd say probably mid-30s, somewhere around there. And I really like the fact that she was kind of efficient and competent. Look, I'm an organizer, and so is Andy. That's really important to me. This is a woman that gets shit done. She doesn't worry about it. She doesn't run. She doesn't hide. Shit just gets done. She'll find a solution wherever it's needed. She'll rearrange something on the dime. She'll make sure that his house looks amazing for Christmas, even though she doesn't really celebrate the holiday. She does everything she can possibly do, and I think that's really kind of important. But she's also super, super empathetic, and this is something else I really liked about her. Like, when Jade shows up on Ty's doorstep, Andy is all about getting answers, but she's also understanding that this kid's gone through a trauma. I mean, her mom, Laura, is dead for, sounds like, a couple of months. She's left with an aunt who she doesn't really necessarily understand or get along with. And then, of course, there's the whole uncle being a jackass. And when Ty doesn't react the right way, Andy just kind of says, screw it, and starts over. Here's how it's described on the book. She called Jade over and Ty backed away as if the girl was radioactive, sending a hot spike of irritation stabbing into Andy's gut. Children were a gift. Ty needed to get his shit together and learn how to accept this blessing the universe had handed him without constantly checking for tags to see if he could exchange it. The spoiled ass had never had no idea how many people wanted to have children and couldn't. Which directly ties to her story because it turns out she's infertile. And that's the reason she got divorced from her first husband because... Mark was a dickhead and didn't want to raise any kids that were not biologically his own because, you know, spoiled ass men seems to be a theme running through her life. But Andy's fertility kind of works as a twofold. It's great and it's also like a hindrance because it feels like, you know, her family doesn't understand and she doesn't know what's going on and that can be a little bit frustrating to keep reading like every couple of pages when there's something that can be added so much more. And when Ty pretends to be her boyfriend at the family function, when she announces it, it's all a bit much. But I kind of understand and I can follow her journey because there's so many women who are infertile and who feel inferior because of that. She hadn't wanted Ty to pretend to be her boyfriend, but now the idea of changing the story made her even more nauseated. Seeing that card of Mark and his perfect new family had rattled her. She liked her life in L.A., but ever since the divorce, whenever she came home, she felt like she was constantly being reminded that she wasn't good enough. Mark had divorced her when she had proved to be defective and found a wife who could give him what he wanted, and the entire freaking town still celebrated him as their favorite son. 
If you're from the South, oh my God, you know that story and that tale is old as time. The favorite son can do no wrong. And I liked the kind of, not necessarily like flatness of the story, but I felt like it was almost a crutch sometimes when there could have been other things that were keeping Andy a little bit more insecure rather than just the fertility topic. And she kind of falls too easily in love. By that I mean like this happens over a matter of a week. If you've been with someone for three years and you can't stand them but you fall in love a week later because you're watching him with a kid, are you falling in love with him or are you falling in love with the idea of having a family? Kind of an important question that never really gets answered all the way in this book. And her only real friend is Bree, who is also from Clement, Minnesota. But there's not really a lot of background there. Like, there's obviously close friends. That's not the issue. But there's not a lot of interaction. It's all, like, phone calls and no real deep kind of connection there. I just wish there had been a little bit more interaction between women. Because, like, the only other women in the story are Jade, who's a young girl... And uh, Andy's younger cousin, who is friends with Jade now, her mom, and like maybe a couple of other women, and Mark's new wife. But there's not a lot of close-knit friendships, and we all know I love close-knit friendships more than I like most things in this world. So I wish there had been a little bit more interaction of that. And I mean, Andy was kind of like most Hallmark movie women, which is not to say it's a bad thing. It's totally not. I love Hallmark movies. But what I mean is, is there's a little bit of a imbalance in the relationship and how she's shown to be a smart, capable, intelligent woman who knows what she wants, can find a solution, answers questions, does all this work for nothing basically. And by nothing in this way I mean that it's all to further the guy's life but not necessarily her own. She's hiding behind it. I think if any character really she reminded me it was a Trisha Helfer's character in Operation Christmas. That movie with Mark Lucas where they where he was like the soldier and they met at like a Denver resort or something, Aspen Resort, and then they found each other again when she got relocated for a job or something with her kids. Anyway, I think they would have been really good because Helfer's character in that movie was a very organized, very do A, B, C to raise X, Y, Z. And I think that would have really worked with Andy because Andy was organized, she was efficient, Shit was getting done, no matter what. Now, if we're going to talk about the love interest, Ty Walker, oh lord. Okay, so he doesn't suck entirely a lot. Like, he only sucks about 20%. And most of that is, is because he's so vain and empty on the beginning of the book. That is kind of a huge push when he's suddenly not within the book. But I really like how he loved his daughter. Oh my god, he loved Jade so much. He wanted to be there for her. He, he wanted to learn. After he got over the initial shock, he was like, oh damn, this is my kid. I can't run from this. Which is kind of a change from how he was trying to like magically put his life together as if he were Tom Cruise. He doesn't... There's a couple times that he kind of bothers me. He uses beautiful as a compliment to women. He's like, hey, beautiful. Hello, beautiful. You know, it, oh, it made my skin crawl, to be honest. It just felt so patronizing and slimy, oily, you know? And he was definitely a womanizer before. He didn't think he was good enough for Laura, Jade's mom, so he kind of, like, ignored any kind of relationship that wasn't like that. And the story takes place in less than a week, but yet he's, like, falling in love with... Andy, like the assistant, he didn't really look at any other way and suddenly he sees her with his daughter and it's insta family. And that really bothers me because it doesn't make the relationship feel solid. 
It makes it feel like they're falling in love with convenience versus passion or anything else because like after four or five days they're already having sex but they were with each other for three years and had no interest in it so what the hell. He was pretty confident about his brand. Andy admitted that early on. She says, Ty may be a giant hunk of man meat, but he wasn't stupid, especially when it came to his brand. I mean, he took over his social media PR because he knew doing a shirtless shot on social media was going to be an instant hit. And he was right. I mean, he's not wrong on that at all. And his love for Jade is like 50% of his 80% awesome score. Because he's just so in love with her and not in like a gross or weird way, but he's like so in love with the idea of being the right person for her. And I think that's really good as a parent, especially one who suddenly dropped into the situation. And it's kind of interesting because Jade is more introverted while he's much more extroverted and she loves to read like she's constantly reading and you can tell that's not really in his interest. But he buys her a bookshelf for Christmas because, what Andy's suggestion, but he buys her a bookshelf like, hey, look, this is what you can do. And I think that's kind of awesome. Jade kind of looks like him too because the blue eyes were the telltale sign for Andy and then for him. He couldn't really deny it when he saw the eyes. And of course, the paternity test said, hi, yeah, you're the dad. So to talk about the romance of the book, there's only one sex scene and it kind of does a little bit of clothes pulling off and then fading to black, which is no big deal for me. But if you want more of a steamy read, again, Hallmark, not really going to happen. They ended up together when they both kind of put their fears aside and their assumptions and they started communicating. It felt way too fast for me, but nobody asked me. But in general, I thought it was a pretty good book, to be honest. Some of my favorite scenes are both the relationship, but also the familial relationships within the families. Like when Jade and Ty arrive in Clement, they're in awe of the Christmassy picture. Please pardon any like scratching noises or whatever. My cats are trying to get into the room while I record this. Because it's winter, they're doing the zoomies. And if I let them in, I'll probably end up with a deleted recording of this podcast. And I kind of don't want to do that. Heads up for that. Okay, back to the story. Jade and Ty arrive in Clement and they're just kind of in awe of how Christmassy and how picture perfect it looked. Again, Hallmark movie, you know, TM, there you go. It's also kind of one of my favorite scenes because they bond a little bit. It looks like a Christmas card, he commented, gazing out the window. I've never had a white Christmas before, unless you count fake snow on movie sets. You're really a movie star, Jade asked from the back seat, and Ty tried to play it cool as everything inside him straightened and came to attention. He twisted to look at her. More of a TV star who lands the occasional part in a cheesy romantic comedy. Her headphones sat lopsided in on her head. How come I've never heard of you? He grinned, unfazed by her skepticism. You aren't really the target demographic for our Task Force One. But trust me, your teachers love me. Jade gave a little half-smile and tugged her headphones back into place, returning her attention to the Christmas display put on by the town. Dismissed but feeling strangely lit, Ty turned back to face the front. And I love that because, like, that's page 40, no, 59 in... And like Jade is kind of acknowledging him because she hasn't been. She's kind of been sticking by whatever Andy said. So it's kind of nice for him to kind of get that approval, I guess. Earlier I mentioned the infertility and the way that's kind of a plot point within the book. But I do like there is a couple of scenes where it really works for me. And I think one of them is when she's opening up to Ty about how much it hurt because of kind of a innocent remark he made. Ty beamed. I knew you'd think of something. You're so good at taking care of people. I'm amazed you've never had kids. He said it blithely, casually, as if it was nothing, a choice. 
Annie flinched, her throat going dry. She didn't mean to say anything, but the words tumbled out anyway. I can't. He looked up from the floor where he was now twisting and stretching. One glance at her expression, and he froze, something unreadable passing over his face. I'm sorry. She shrugged. It's not your fault, not anyone's fault, though she felt like it was hers. She always felt like it was hers. And God, that just, it, it was such a sweet scene, because within that scene, you see him be the person that she believes he can be, and the person that she's kind of pushing him to be, but you can also see the way she feels, like how it hurts her, and you know, all these little remarks that come along the way, especially by Mark, really offset her and set her into a little bit of a spiral. But she's healing now, and it's just great watching her get over the shame that she feels over it. And even though she shouldn't have any shame, it's something that, again, I think a lot of women face. And infertility is kind of a question on character nowadays instead of a biological misfire, if that's what you want not saying it but i'm saying if if you want to have kids and you can't have them it's biologically something that you can't do it's not something that you can wish to happen but it still matters and as a follow-up i love when ty just walks away from mark who's doing his best to ingratiate himself within ty's sphere because ty is famous ty has a lot of money and ty has his ex-wife that he kind of wanted to keep on the um kind of like forlorn area because then he could feel a little bit better about having his biological kids and oh Marcus smarmy okay and how perfect is it that you already have your own kid we all want to see ourselves in them right it's biological for men instinctive but for women I think it's different they're more capable of nurturing someone else's cub am I right which is perfect for you too you need a mom for your kid and at this point Ty just walks away and I'm glad Ty walked away because if I'd been at the wedding, I probably would have clocked Mark in the nuts. But that's just me. Call me kooky. But as a woman, I would have clocked the motherfucker in the knee and moved on with my day. And yes, I said that and I'm okay with it. There's a lot of really nice family interactions within her own family. She didn't really tell them what was going on because she didn't want to destroy the hero worship that her younger brothers had over mark because mark was like the town golden boy and she just didn't want to take that away from them because there was a lot going on that they didn't know about and it was just really nice how they kind of all banded together and once they found out what was going on protected big sister and i think that's just so cool and so imperative and so important and it really rides things home to the storyline okay will i read or not reread this I probably won't reread it. And that's only, only because I've seen so many Hallmark movies. I can probably kind of remember this as one of those, even though it's not one. But I think it's fantastic if you want something lighthearted, if you want something that's got feel-good appeal, if you just need to have something to make you smile and laugh and have that moment of holiday spirit. I think it's perfect for that. And if you want to reread it, I would totally say go for it. And you should definitely read it, obviously obviously, because I'm recommending it. Other than the instant fixes, I really liked Shane's voice. I like how she wrote the characters. I like how multifaceted the women are. And we know I love multifaceted women. I love how they have their own quirks and their own communications. And just honestly, Andy was an amazing character. She was really important, I think. And I really think that you should probably read the book just for Andy, just to have that kind of a character in your head of what a contemporary woman can feel like in a romance novel so i'd probably read more shane at some point 
that's all for this book. Here is my conclusion. Ty Walker didn't suck as much as I thought he would. He's no Nathan Fillion, which is God bless him for that. I would definitely say Andy is important. I would definitely give it a thumbs up. Definitely a read wreck. You know, enjoy it. Go for it and have a good holiday. Okay, so here is the featured podcast of the week, and it is The Cutaways. So Justine and Ashley, I've been listening since I started listening to podcasts, which is right before I actually started doing this podcast, oddly enough. What I really love is the fact they're going through like the 2000s rom-coms and there's just so much material in what they say. They offer like little insights into the industry because they both work in film. One does editing and the other one does script writing, I believe. And they're just very interesting how they talk and how they communicate and that they're friends and they start giggling and you giggle with them and they're perfect if you need to kind of have a laughing day if you need to enjoy something. Even if you don't enjoy the movie, you're definitely going to enjoy what they're talking about and how they're talking about it. I mean, they've had some pretty interesting covers. Some of them that they've had in the past, I don't know, a couple months, they've had On the Line with NSYNC. Come on, guys. Lance and Joey were in that movie, and that's a terrible movie. But listening to them is worth it, especially because of the Joey Fatone love from, I want to say, Ashley's husband. Sam? Yes. Okay, they've also covered Secretary, Bend It Like Beckham, and I don't care, that's totally a rom-com. It's a rom-com between two girls, but it's still a rom-com. I'm with the cutaways on that one. And they're going to do About a Boy. It should be released by the time this one release, this episode releases. It's a very fun episode about movies. <laughs> Everything they do is about movies, but you can definitely see how much they enjoy what they're doing. Okay, guys, that's it for the episode. It's pretty short this week. I'm trying to keep them a little bit shorter for the holiday seasons because I know everyone is busy, 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 busy. Oh my God, so busy. So we've gone over All He Wants. And then the next one next week will be Coyote's Comfort by Holly Trent, which was wrecked on Twitter. And oh my God, it's amazing. I would definitely have that one up probably around this time next week when this one releases. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Damsel's Podcast. I'm also on Instagram with the same, and occasionally I'll post on there. I'm kind of bad about Instagram because so many hours in a day. If you also want to find me on iTunes, obviously you can find me there. I'm under Deconstructing Damsels. Occasionally I post reviews, so... You know, I enjoy those. I enjoy leaving reviews on awesome podcasts. So if you see Damsel's podcast, that's me too. I also have a Patreon, but right now it's kind of bare. But, but I'm recording a couple episodes next week to put up there. And I need to find an episode that was missing. It's in my cast and my cast is online. And my online cast is kind of down because there's no internet at home. This is all cobbled together for, you know, your enjoyment. So just kind of give me a, a little bit of time on that, but it's coming up. I also have got stickers. If anybody would like one, catch me on Twitter or email me at damselspodcast at gmail.com. 
and I will hand them out because they're cute and they're little and they're adorable and I very much like them. And I'm glad that Spoop Hour recommended the sticker app for them because they're very nice and shiny and, and tiny. Okay, that's it, guys. I will see you next week and I will definitely be covering a Duke by default probably in January. I'll have it as a bonus episode then. Until then, I'll see you guys. Bye.